An interesting question came to me in prayer this week. The question was, in what parts of my life am I an atheist? Now, none of us here is an atheist, otherwise we wouldn't be here. But in what parts of your life, in thought, word, or in action, do you act as if God doesn't exist? Right? We all have that trap that there are particular parts of our life that we think or speak or act, really, when we think about it, as if God doesn't exist. Hold on to that question. We'll come back to it. Last week, we talked about how Jesus had his home base in Capernaum, and that most of his ministry that we hear about in the Gospels happens in and around Capernaum, and how just up the hill, a couple kilometers away from Capernaum, is the mountain that Jesus climbs today to begin what we call the Sermon on the Mount. And the first thing that he preaches in this long Sermon on the Mount that lasts three chapters in the Gospel of Matthew are the Beatitudes that we know well. And what does he say? What does he start with? Well, he starts with where he left off last week. What was the first words of Jesus's public ministry in Matthew, but in all the Gospels? Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And he picks up where he left off today by starting with, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And notice that with that one, the first one and the last one, he says, is the kingdom of heaven. For the rest of them, it will be in heaven. But he starts by saying, is, meaning it is here now. St. Thomas Aquinas says, God's love for us is not greater in heaven than it is now. Because the kingdom of heaven is here. What does that mean? It means that it's a reminder for us of what we are living for. See, what Jesus does in the Beatitudes, in this shaping the whole of his ministry and gospel, is he's pushing that up against what the Jewish people held in highest regard, which is what? The Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments, we all know, thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not. Don't do these things, they're bad. And Jesus says, but do these things. See, we can always live in that world of thou shalt not. That our whole moral life is about not doing bad things that I try to avoid all of the bad things that I know are bad, and I do everything that I can in my power to avoid doing bad things. That's not the Christian life. The Christian life is living for something. It's not avoiding doing bad things. It's striving to live for the right thing, the best thing, the thing that Christ has given to us. The kingdom of heaven is theirs. But we all have the trap of dwelling in the things that I shouldn't be doing. And to be fair, sometimes in the way that we teach the faith, we dwell too much on, you're not allowed to do this, and you're not allowed to do this, and you're not allowed to do this. They go, oh, okay. And so for those that practice and live the faith, they're willing to accept it. For those who struggle with the faith, they go, well, to a point, and then it doesn't make sense anymore, so I'm going to go and choose to do what I think 
does good in my life. We have to remember what we're living for. Otherwise, what we give up in order to live for this thing makes no sense. We have to know what we say thou shalt not to do, how it fits with what we're living for. And that's what Jesus is giving in the Beatitudes, is this is what you're living for. And when he says this is what you're living for, none of it is tied to the blessings that we would expect in this life. Right? The poor in spirit, those who mourn, those who show mercy, those who are persecuted, those who are hungry. You will live for what is best. Because as Christians, we're not living for a minimum. It's not about do no harm, don't do bad things. It's about what is the good that we are called to live. And how are we willing to do that? Think of it in this way. In a sport, just take hockey because that's the easiest one for me. What if you played the game only trying not to get a penalty? You did everything you can so that you never got in the penalty box because the penalty box is bad and it would hurt my team if I got a penalty. So I'm going to make sure that I never do anything or get myself in a situation where I might get a penalty. Is that going to make hockey very interesting? Are you really going to be a very useful player if that's the way that you approach it? Or if you are a musician, think about I am only ever going to play the songs that I know. The songs that I know that I don't make mistakes at and that I'm comfortable playing and that's good enough for me. Will you really continue to love music? When you take away the creative part that music brings, the wonder that music offers, if you just play what you know and play what is comfortable. That's living in the Thou shalt not realm. If I only focus on never doing anything wrong, then I'm never actually living. I'm not living for anything. I'm living to prevent something. It's a minimum. It's a start. But it's not everything that we're called to live for. The hockey player lives on the edge of a penalty and not getting a penalty because right on that edge is where you're the most competitive and pushing the limit of what is possible. A musician learns something new all of the time and explores their instrument because in doing that, they experience new things in the sounds that they're making. You don't fear making a mistake because of what you're living for. It's the same in the Christian life. We're going to make mistakes. Whether you live in the realm of, I don't ever want to make a mistake, or in the realm of, I might make a million mistakes, we're going to make a mistake because we're human. That's why we have Jesus, because we're going to make a mistake. We strive to live for what Jesus gives us, because we're not living in privation. And this becomes important in understanding the teachings of the church. When the church says, you shouldn't go here, you shouldn't think like this, you shouldn't do this, you should be like a child. Because we're called to be childlike in our faith, and what is a child's favorite question? Why? I shouldn't do those things. Why? What does it help me live for? So when you think of all of the teachings of the church that are most controversial, 
The church tells you, you shouldn't use contraception in your marriage. Why? Just because he doesn't want you to have any fun. That homosexual marriage is not a thing. Why? Why does the church teach us that these are thou shalt nots? Because the church doesn't teach things just because she doesn't want us to do something. She teaches us these things by not doing these things. It frees us to live for what we're actually called to live for. Homosexual marriage is a thou shalt not because it doesn't fulfill what marriage is intended to be. It is incapable of fulfilling what God deemed marriage to be. The church says no to contraception because it puts a barrier between the husband and the wife striving for the greatest intimacy and possibility of embodying the divine love of God. But if we forget the why, if we stop living from the why, the thou shalt not just seems burdensome. Where we become atheists in part of our life is when we only think about the thou shalt not and we forget the why. God provides the why. God provides the answer. And so when we pull back from what we know we are called to live as Christians and Catholics in the world, we're forgetting the why. We're forgetting for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Because as St. Paul says today, God is the source of your life in all things. Right? So to take, for example, blessed are the poor in spirit. How can we actually strive for being poor in spirit? Because the world would tell us that's a waste of time. Because what's the opposite? Relying on my truth. What I know to be true for me. Building up that pride in what I know and what I think to be true. When was the last time that you changed your mind on something significant? Not that we should be changing our mind on all things, because sometimes when we're right, we're right, right? But when was the last time you allowed your mind to be changed on something significant? Particularly by a family member. Right? Just think of, think of maybe your spouse, maybe a brother or sister, who's been trying to convince you of something about yourself for years. And every time they bring it up, you go, ah, and you slough it off. And they let you because they love you. But what are they trying to tell you? What are they telling you about yourself that you should be living for? that instead you just go, no, I am not that. When we get stuck in my truth, what I believe to be true, then that informs the way that we live our life. I was thinking the other day, right? For those of you that have lived a few years, you probably live in greater comfort than you did when you were in early adulthood, right? You've had time to accumulate resources for yourself and to build up some wealth, for the most part. Are you more happy with that increased wealth and what that allows you to do than when you were first setting out on your own? Because the world would say you need to build up that comfort in order to have that security and safety. But if you really stop and think about it, 
does that offer you what you think it does? Sure, it offers you opportunities, but did you have less joy in your life when you had less comfort resources? I always think of when you come back from a trip, what are the trips that you really want to tell people about? The ones where everything went wrong. Right? The ones that went perfectly smooth, it was like, oh, it was great, it was beautiful, so many nice things, and then it's over. But when you have a whole bunch of mishaps, you tell that story over and over and over again throughout your life because it stays with you. Because the absence of the thing that you were looking for actually opened you up to something more. You remembered what you were living for despite the fact that what you wanted was taken away. This is how we live as Christians. If we dwell on what is taken away, we will be miserable Christians because a lot of things are taken away from us. You know that as well as I do. We're told to do, not do a lot of things that everybody else goes about freely doing. What's the why? What are you living for? What is the greater thing that God is trying to offer you? That why is the answer to the atheism in parts of your life. So this week, just think about one part of your life where you kind of live as an atheist, where you live according to my truth. And in that, if you don't know the why of what you should be living for there, ask God to show it to you. Look for the answer. If you know the why, but you're not living from that why, ask God for the grace to trust that that why is better and greater than the one that you've created for yourself. As Christians, we don't dwell on the everything that I shouldn't do. We remember what I'm living for. Because the poor in spirit, for them, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. We repent because the kingdom of heaven is near.